Welcome to Civic Warriors, brought to you by Witham. On this podcast, we bring the conversation to you, sharing engaging stories that motivate and build consensus in the nonprofit community. This podcast is about the innovators, the leaders on the front line of adversity, guiding lights in the nonprofit industry affecting change. And through their stories, we can all join forces to become Civic Warriors. Hey, Warriors. Welcome to today's episode of Civic Warriors, brought to you by Witham. I'm your host, Brad Caruso, leader of Witham's not-for-profit practice. You know, it takes a significant amount of courage to make real change in this world. It also takes funding, dedicated individuals, a personal connection to a cause, and a drive to make the world a better place. On today's episode, we have Arthur Aston, Executive Director of Builds Jake Place, which is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Camden County, New Jersey. Arthur is driving to make real change in this world, and I am so excited to have you as guests and share your story today, Arthur. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure. And uh, we look forward to it. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you today. So I'd love to start off. I think it's a great connection here to the cause. Maybe tell us from childhood to today, what makes Jake's Place so special to you and share your story? Yes, thank you for um, asking that question and for me to share my story. Um, Because it really did start when uh, when I was born. I was born with a birth defect called spina bifida, which impacted my mobility. So um, before I was born, my spinal cord did not form properly. So I was born with a hole in my back. Um, as the story is told to me, you could see my spinal cord. And um, it impacted my mobility, as I mentioned. So my leg muscles are very weak. I have to use leg braces and crutches to walk and also a wheelchair. But that was back in 1981. And I will be 41 uh, on the 25th of November. So that's really uh, something that I always love to share with people just because uh, I wasn't expected to live past the age of 15. It wasn't until I was an adult, almost 30 years old, when I I truly, I think, understood why people stared at me. I was with my nephew one day, and he was very upset about the way that his classmates were looking at me when I picked him up from school one day. And um, it, it really hit me then that it's no big deal to him that I use a wheelchair or crutches, but... um, The people who don't know what that is, it's very different. It's very strange. So I really wanted to help change the way that people see those who live with disabilities. And around that same time, I was uh, introduced to uh, the Built Jake's Place family, and um, I connected with them first as a volunteer uh, back in 2010, and then I uh, became executive director in October of 2013. And it's the greatest joy of my life, I think, working with them, because what we do there is we help build inclusive play experiences for everybody of every ability. And that was a really big thing for me, because although I did use braces and crutches, and I was able to get onto playgrounds when I was growing up in the 80s, there were uh, all the playgrounds had mulch or gravel on them. So it was very, um, very dangerous for me to walk on the playgrounds because I would fall often. So to build inclusive playgrounds now and to be a part of an organization that helps uh, make playgrounds and play spaces more inclusive for everybody is, um, like I said, it's it's a great joy of my life. Love it. And I'm going to ask a a relatively obvious question, but why do you feel it's so important that we make playgrounds inclusive or that that you know, I know you mentioned some of the challenges that, that you have just given having spina bifida and, and, you know, certainly it's not, e- it's just simple mobility is not easy. Why do you feel it's so important to you to create that inclusive environment? I think it's so important because of the statistics surrounding those who have disabilities. 
it's thought that one out of every four people has some type of disability, and that can be from people who wear glasses or have some type of vision or hearing impairment. And I think it's just the right thing to do (laughs) because there are so many people who live with disabilities, and that includes children and adults. So that's a a great thing that I also like to mention. Um, The playgrounds that we have, when you think of a playground, you think of children, but you don't think of the adults who may have disabilities who have children. So the adults who have the disability and their child may or may not have a disability, they can still go to the playground with their child and play on the playground. They don't have to sit and watch them from the sidelines and uh, have them in, enjoy the playground by themselves. So the, the adult with the disability can also uh, participate in the play experience as well. So people with disabilities are out in your communities, like we're your neighbors and <laughs> your coworkers, and we are out in the world and just making anything more accessible for, for those with disabilities is a great thing for everybody, I think. 100% agree with you. Um, and, and you know, I, I have two young kids. I love playing on the playground just as much as they love playing on the playground. <laughs> um, so, you know, whether they're, they're the individuals with disabilities or it's the parent, it's super important that we create an environment that both can enjoy it same way as those without. So, yeah, I love that answer and, and love that you're you're working towards this cause. What what does the landscape in New Jersey look like right now? With New Jersey, things have um, they've come a long way, and as the saying goes, there's still a long way to go. <laughs> um, we have uh, Jake's Place has built two inclusive playgrounds in the state of New Jersey: one in Camden County, one in Burlington County, and um, we have been a big part of having a law passed back in 2018. Uh, that will require every county in the state of New Jersey to have at least one inclusive playground. And we know that there are others besides our two playgrounds that exist. And some of them are not as large as the two that we have built. And that is okay. We, you know, we, we don't, uh, you know, they don't need to be large. They just need to be inclusive and accessible to other people. You know, New Jersey is, is a small state, but there's a lot of people and a lot of space. So uh, we have received phone calls from people in different counties saying that they've researched for inclusive playgrounds and ours was the only one that came up for them and they are, you know, 30 or 40 miles away. So, um, you know, that shouldn't be. There are people that live in every county and every town that have disabilities. So if, you know, if not every town has an inclusive playground, we feel that at least every county should have multiple just so that people don't have to travel as far to uh, to locate them. Yeah, agreed. And talking a little bit more about the not-for-profit organization that you run, tell us a little bit more, because obviously one component of what you do is the guidance on building an inclusive playground, which is a, which is a large effort. A lot of dollars go into it, a lot happens, but from my understanding and in, in working with you and in, in reading up on your website, there's a lot more that you do. There's a lot of education component. There's a lot of advocacy work you're doing. Can you talk a little bit more uh, about what Builds Jake Place is doing and how and, and what you're doing as the executive director there? Yes. So one of the um, great things that I, I I love all parts of my job, but one of the things that I get most excited about is uh, that we have a baseball league, which is a miracle league for children and adults with disabilities. And uh, we run that program twice a year uh, in the fall and then again in the spring. And it just, it, it's really great because it gives people with disabilities a chance to be active and to participate in baseball, which uh, America's favorite pastime. 
I am in South Jersey and right across the bridge from Philly. So we are Phillies fans in this area. And uh, to have that excitement, uh, you know, the Phillies going to the World Series just, you know, earlier this month. And, um, you know, so, so we were really we're really excited every time we're able to uh, bring that program uh, up for the Miracle League. And the special thing about it is our players have disabilities, but every player is matched with a buddy who does not have a disability. So um, our buddies are at least 13 years old and um, they range all the way up to uh, we have a few seniors citizens that are our buddies. And the same thing for our league, our league, uh, the players start at age five and we have players that are in their 60s that play with us. Um, so to bring those two groups of people together, uh, those with and those without disabilities is something that we um you know, we, we cherish that and we um, acknowledge that those are two groups of people that are often kept separate or uh, seen as different. But uh, through our baseball league, we're able to bring them together. And then uh, in the process of building our two playgrounds, we made sure that in the towns that we uh, built our playgrounds and we went and visited every school to share information about disabilities, to get the kids interested to get the kids involved to let them ask questions about uh, disabilities and why something like an inclusive playground is needed. And as soon as we tell the kids that, you know, when I was a kid, I'll, I'll show up in my wheelchair, for example, to do a presentation. And when I tell kids that, you know, I wouldn't be able to use my wheelchair on their playground because it has wood chips or gravel, they immediately know that's not cool. That's not fair. <laughs> that I should be able to, and their friend who, their classmate who, who has a disability should be able to use the playground too. They want to know, well, how do we fix this? How do we, <laughs> how do we make this change? And how do we uh, make this better for everybody? The kids get it right away. They go home and tell their parents, and then that gets the parents motivated and interested, and um, the fundraising begins. <laughs> so that is... Uh, yeah, and, and I think it's it's the if 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 they build it, they will come kind of situation. But the end, they also have to know about it. They have to know that it's coming and why it's necessary. And even to this day, our first playground opened in 2011. We have you know people that are now out of college or in college that say, "Oh yeah, I remember being in school and we fundraised for that playground. That's our playground." Like they really feel like it is their playground because they put their money toward it. They put their allowances or their pretzel sale money toward it. So it's um it, it's really great to uh, be a part of all aspects of building these types of experiences for everybody. Yeah, and that that collective effort is is important. The 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 personal connection to um, the playground itself, you know, even if it's a couple dollars, everyone raises it, but I think everyone feels, feels they're a part of it and everyone feels that they're doing good. And, you know, certainly your work in, in getting the word out about that and, and bringing that, uh, to these local neighborhoods, to individuals, I think certainly is, is important. So Arthur, I know in our conversations, uh, I heard you have a, a podcast and release way more episodes than I release, which is awesome that, uh, that you, that you do that and, and that you get the word out. How, how are you, how are you getting the word out about education on disabilities and, and these inclusive playgrounds that you're helping to build? I think, um, as most people, especially in the last, uh, two years, it's social media. <laughs> uh, that's the easiest, uh, and most effective way, I think, to reach a lot of people. Uh, in the shortest, uh, you know, shortest amount of time, it, it goes right out and it goes out to the, the masses right away. Um, 
and I, th- I think thankfully, uh, everybody, because everybody has been home lately, um, we've reached a lot more people. Our, our stories we've noticed, um, our posts have, have reached a lot more people, you know, and, and with my own podcast as well, posting consistently, I think is the, the biggest thing that we found that, that works the best. But we're hoping for Jake's place, especially to get back in doing things in person and, uh, you know, getting out there into the schools to raise awareness into these new communities where, as I mentioned, with the law being passed, we have seven townships that are building new playgrounds. So we're hoping to uh, be able to get back into that swing of things to go into the schools in those areas and say like, hey, here's what we're doing. We're working with your township leaders to uh, build these new inclusive playgrounds and, um, you know, hoping and uh, hoping that people will support that. What does a playground cost in general? I mean, obviously each town, each build could be different, but is there an average cost that you tag to one of the, to, to a playground itself or to the build itself? It really depends on how big the playground is. So the two that we've built were over $600,000. And Ooh. yeah, yeah, they're, <laughs> but they're huge. They're, they're really big. And primarily the cost is with the surfacing. So the whole playground is, it's called poured in place. They literally come and pour this stuff onto the playground. It's a uh, non-latex rubber solution. But under that, there are three layers of uh, their stone, uh, like a gravel material. And then there's some other type of material. And then that's poured on top. But it, it bounces. It has like a, a bounce to it. Kind of like if you've ever been on a um, like a gymnastics floor or you've seen the people uh, do the gymnastics floor routines and how when they land there, they're flipped, they kind of bounce a little bit. So it has that little bit of a spring to it, but it's very expensive. Um, <laughs> it's very expensive. And then other factors that go into uh, the cost are uh, the ramps. So every part of our playground is uh, has a ramp feature. So you can get from the lowest to the highest point on the playground, all in your wheelchair or your mobility device. But one thing that we did on purpose was we made our ramps double wide. So that two wheelchairs can go up side by side together instead of one behind the other. And we did that because when children run, they usually run side by side together. So we want to have, um, we wanted to allow the children who use mobility devices like wheelchairs or walkers or crutches to have that same experience of going together side by side. Um, uh, but that adds to the cost because <laughs> there's more, uh, metal that's used and there's more space that's taken up. Um, and then one of our playgrounds, we have a lot of, um, I guess, uh, unique uh, apparatus that are there that were specifically built for that playground. It has a Philadelphia and South Jersey theme to it. So we have a barnyard, for example. We have a replica of um, the facade of Independence Hall. So all of those go into the extra costs of, uh, you know, of the playgrounds that that we have built. But um you know, some, most of the features that we have are, uh, you know, they were necessary to do and, and we felt they were important to add, like the double wide ramps, uh, was something that we made sure that we, um, included in both, both of our playgrounds. What funding is available, um, to, to build these? Obviously, uh, you know, you, you had a price tag before that price tag is probably even going up, uh, with inflation and the costs in the, in the states here rising every day. Um, you know, what type of funding historically has existed or currently exists? And, and is there a gap? Is there a gap in, in making this happen? 
So in our experience of building, we found that there isn't a lot of corporate money that's available uh, for these types of playgrounds. We had to do a lot of our, our co-founder, Jim Cummings, he always says we built these playgrounds on $20 bills because they, <laughs> a lot of the money came from the communities uh, that we are serving. And again, that, that was a good thing because they are really invested in it, literally. And um, we, we were able to partner with uh, Berkshire Hathaway, the uh, realtor company. They did a lot of fundraisers for us over the last, you know, since we were, we started, they were our first grant uh, that we received. And then there were some other uh, local companies that, that helped out with a lot of uh, fundraising efforts that we did. But in general, it was very hard to say, you know, we're building this playground and we need $10,000 for a swing set and, you know, for companies to say, oh, okay, sure, no problem. Uh, that didn't happen with us uh, too often, but, um, you know, I, we're, we're hopeful that the law being passed and once people start learning more about that, that we're uh, hopeful that the funding will, will come a little bit easier uh, for, for those uh, townships that are building now. Awesome. And, and what type of fundraising efforts are you currently doing? I mean, if, if I wanted to make a donation to you, how could I go about doing that to, to help your cause? Yeah, so the one fundraiser that we have now is uh, we're doing a, it's a gift card raffle. So we have over, well over $500 in gift cards, including restaurants and uh, stores, online stores, golfing experiences. So everything is virtual. You can uh, go to our website, buildjakesplace.org forward slash donate and enter the raffle through through that page there. And um, that will be... The winner will be announced on December 5th, so uh, right before the holidays. And it's, it's a great, you know, a, a nice way to support uh, the organization. It's a $20 donation to enter, uh, to get one entry into the raffle. $60 gets you five entries, and then uh, a $100 donation gets you uh, eight entries into the raffle. So that's what we're doing now. We really um, hope to get back to in-person fundraisers in the spring of 2023 because uh, we haven't had an in-person fundraiser in quite some time. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're, we're still out here and we're still doing good things and raising awareness and um, helping to bring more inclusive play experiences to the state of New Jersey. And as an organization, um, obviously, you know, funding is one thing. What, what, else, what else do you feel would help further your cause or help further the mission of, of Build Jake's Place? Any, anything else that you can see that uh, would be helpful to you? Yeah, I think our, um, as, as I mentioned, we have the Miracle League that we um, operate. And the one uh, big thing with that is volunteers. A lot of our volunteers are high school students. They're, they're wonderful. I, I always tell them I wish I was that dedicated when I was their age. <laughs> but um, to have volunteers uh, to help out with that, um, you know, I think that's a lot of nonprofits that, that are in need of, of the extra hands and, and things like that. And, um, you know, we don't have a staff, but we send out uh, annual appeal letters. So having people to help with, with that and uh, stuffing those envelopes and sealing those envelopes and things like that are, are always uh, – very helpful uh, for for our nonprofit for sure. Love it, yeah. And for those out there, if you're if you're looking for a place to volunteer, you're looking to help. Uh, you know, certainly there are opportunities. If you're looking to donate, there's opportunities to do that. You know, very clearly, this goes to a great cause. It goes to 
an organization that's that's moving the needle um, not not only in in the actual activity but in helping pass legislation and getting to the point where you know this is a possibility across the state and you know taking an idea from a small idea to now translating it to many many different spaces and I think certainly you're you're moving the needle from that aspect. Yes. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited. I, as I said, I've been with the organization for so long, and, and I'm really excited to see how far we've gone and, and where we're continuing to go. <laughs> Love it. So, Arthur, as the executive director of Build Jake's Place, uh, I just want to thank you for joining today's episode of Civic Warriors. Certainly, you are the true definition of a civic warrior. You know, you've been been affected personally and you're taking that and paying it forward which uh, we you know we truly appreciate and love love the opportunity to uh, to have you on here yes thank you so much for having me and uh it was a good time and i appreciate it